Welcome back to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, Peeps, with your peep, Irene. That's me. Hi. I have a fabulous guest here. We're recording live. Where are we? We're in California at CDA. I do enough of these that I forget where I am sometimes. And I'm sitting in front of a person that I was introduced to, a familiar face, but we've never met in real life. How are you, Dr. Chris Strandberg? I'm doing great. Thanks Good. for having me Can on Can I your call podcast. you Chris? I feel like... Of course. Should I call you... A f- the formal or just no, Chris no. is cool. My patients call me Dr. Chris or they call me Chris. Really? You we let don't them even call mess you by your first name? We don't even let mess with the last name. Cool. Um, so the people are probably wondering how I met you. And most of the time, the guests that come on the podcast are like either introduced by someone or we meet in random ways. So we have a mutual friend, Dr. Brian Baliwas. How do you know Brian? I met Brian through one of my friends, Dr. Derek Wallen. Okay. He practices in Arizona. Um, Derek and I are we're in a mastermind group of dentists where we talk once a month and then we meet up twice a year to discuss clinical business and life. And clinical business and life. Yeah. Okay. And one of our members um, that was in the group at the time decided to leave the group and we were searching for somebody awesome to fill the void. Oh, so, so Brian we were, filled the void? Brian filled the What's void. What's the name of this mastermind? It doesn't really have an official name. No? No. It's just like... It has some nicknames. Secret. Some internal secret nicknames. It's like the Illuminati. Like, <laughs> we can't talk about... We can't talk... This is a fight club. Like, there's, there's a, we can't talk about fight That's the first rule of the mastermind. You can't talk about the mastermind. We can talk about it, but yeah, there's definitely a lot that we can't Is it like an invite-only thing? Um, like, can I just show up one day and be like, hey, I'm here now. I've filled the other void. Is there any other voids that need to be filled? If you anyone? know, I think if you joined, then there would be no more voids. Oh, wow. So you should definitely join. That was, uh, that was, that was, that was, that was okay. I'm in. So th- <laughs> in my little notebook, my black letters, I did put a check mark next to the mastermind box. I'm in. Um, okay. So yeah. So Dr. Balawas and I became friends through that. Okay. Um, little did I know he's actually one of the most amazing people ever to live. Yeah. So we were really lucky. Um, he and Derek, Derek went to school together. I've learned so much from him. He's a, he's a great guy. He just gives 110% with everything he does. Yeah. So, uh, and it, he knows everyone also. So, he does. Um, and I feel like you're probably quite social. You know a lot of people. So it's no surprise that you two met. Yeah, I don't, even, I don't remember exactly how he and I met. I think we talked about it on the podcast episode that I interviewed him on and it actually didn't record. But it's been years. Um, I know the social media world is interesting, but we really connected at uh, Voices of Dentistry because he did. He did. I did a main stage, and so did he. he and uh, I think we just kind of sat down and had a little chat about you know the behind the scenes of the social media life and what yeah. that's kind of like. But we won't get into that today. Maybe we will. I don't know. Let's see. Um, let's talk about you. Like, where did where did Where'd you come from? Where'd you Where'd you grow up? Where were you born? Like, can you take me back to birth? Like, what was that like? Travel out of the womb? Like, how far back can we go? Yeah, we uh, we can go all the way uh, back to the womb if you want. I do. Yeah, tell me about tell me about your mom. Um, <laughs> okay, so parents. Um, at the time when I was born, we're living in the Bay Area. Okay, Bay so, Area. I'm from Canada, so, so you're gonna have to really spell this out. So, center of the bullseye for the Bay Area, San Francisco. Okay. And then surrounding adjacent areas. That's where I came from. Got it. Uh, born in Santa Clara. Okay. Which um, my hospital was up the street from Apple headquarters. Oh, cool. To. You so know, they immediately gave you an iPhone when you were born. Yeah, actually, not too far iPod off. iPod probably back then. Did they have a touch back then? Um, they had something called the Newton in oh, the, the early Newton. 90s. Yeah. Okay. So, Kay. fun fact, my dad did work for Apple for five years and brought no home way. a lot of tech. So, I was kind of a digital native early on as a kid. Cool. Um, and that kind of actually connects with my love for dentistry as well. well what dad, did you do? Was you like a developer? Um, no, IT. I mean, it's kind of like this catch-all term. I still don't really know what he does. Yeah. The great it's thing like in dentistry. Exactly. Yeah. great thing in dentistry is when you say, oh, I'm a dentist or I'm a hygienist or... People have a very concrete visual image of what you do. Yeah. And some of these other professions, you know, they're more abstract. Um, and I like the concrete nature of what we do. It's cool. Yeah. Um, but growing up, I had a lot of support in my educational background. My uh, grandparents were both teachers. My grandfather's a physics professor. Oh, wow. Had a lot of educated people. So did That's like a lot of pressure. Yeah. Was yeah. it? Yeah. No. No? No, not. It was sort of learning by diffusion rather than force. 
Mm. Um, so I got interested in the sciences early on. And um, first uh, time that dentistry was even a thought in my mind was uh, when I was 10 uh, at a basketball game. Okay. I got hit and broke my uh, number 25. Number 25. Yeah. So lower, lower right, right, front, front you know, anterior. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So that for us is 4-1 or 3-1. 3-1 or 4-1, okay. So we've got the whole world covered now with Okay. Uh, so there's a fake tooth in there? Um, bonded, actually. Bonded. Oh, okay. So fractured yeah, and then fractured. they repaired it. And Ish. at the time, I thought it was actually bleeding through the pulp. And I'm not sure Did because like... they pulp cap it or what? You know? They didn't, They but, but it's 10, never needed a so. root canal. Okay. So my dentist comes in on a Saturday. Oh. And at the time, he was probably around 30 years old. And he's fixing my tooth up. I was obviously, well, I was in pain and I was traumatized by the experience. And he fixed me up and he was kind of joking and he made it very bearable. And he's like, you know, someday I think you might be a dentist. No way. And at the time I was like, no, I want to do something cool. Why would I do that? <laughs> you know, I had big plans. But, um, but that dentist um, remained my dentist until I left home, you know, for college. And he and I are still in touch. Cool. And What's his name? Uh, his name is Dr. Jerry Martin. This was, uh, we, I grew up in uh, Granite Bay, uh, Loomis, Placer County area, which is outside of Sacramento. But he was just the coolest guy um, cool. as a dentist. He was so chill. His staff loved him. Many of those same people are still there. Mm. Um, just made everything seem fun. Because of that, I think that kind of gave me my first impression of dentistry. A lot of people have really bad experiences, but I kind of saw him as a, as a hero and just like mm. a cool guy that I wanted to be like. So then, so then what? So you're 10, you have this like, cool, so he fixes cool my dude, fixes my tooth and you know, and that, then what? that was really cool that, you know, but, uh, growing up, like I said, I was exposed to a lot of education. So I had my mind wide open about what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. I was good in school. Um, I liked sciences. I liked astronomy. I liked technology. Um, during high school. Okay, so where did you leave off? So you thought nothing about it. You wanted to do something cool. What did you just? Where, yeah. where did you leave off? So sort of um, my interests. My interests um, from that point on, and, and even before, were always in the sciences, technology, yeah. stuff like that. Um, during high school, you know, during the summertime, I was like, I want to maybe shadow my dentist. Cool. Um, so I went. Uh, numerous times, just chit-chat, we had grab lunch, and he kind of showed me what it was like from behind the scenes. Now, this is back in, say, 2002 when I started doing this, and he had a CEREC milling mm -hmm. machine, scanner milling machine in 2002. That's early. So one of the yeah. first models. Yeah. And when he showed me, oh, I can scan this person's that tooth. That was a powdered system back they, then. They did have yeah. the powder, you're right. Oh, that was terrible uh, in comparison to what we have now. If you think about it now, it's like, how did that yeah. even work? How did we even... How did people not aspirate that? I mean, they did. We all did. I just got out of a but lecture where they were talking about, um, you know, dentists not wearing gloves. Yeah. So, anyway. We've come a long way. It's barbaric. Mm -hmm. um, so, you thought that that was cool? He, he pressed print, and I see this tooth come to life out of a block. And already being, you know, interested in pr uh, technology, I was like, that is cool. Mm -hmm. So, that was kind of the first moment where this became like a serious possibility for me. At, uh, in as, high as school, as a profession, yeah, as in what high school. What were you like in high school? Were you like the cool kid, or were you nerdy? Did you, were you in the band? Did you play a band instrument? I feel like you were an athlete. You must have played basketball or something. That's what I envision. Um, but I could be completely wrong. I tried to stay in shape. I played soccer. Okay. Um, I was more focused on school. Okay. So, my high school was a uh, big athletic high school. Great in football. That was never me, um, but I did love staying in shape. Yeah. So I did like track. I did some tennis, uh, but you'd never want me on your team no? really, if you want to win. Really? Uh, even I was, for tennis? Uh, I'm an avid for, tennis player. Even for tennis. I mean, it's fun yeah. for sure. Are you competitive? Um, yeah, th that's a weird question for me if I'm competitive. I don't know. I think self-mastery is what I focus on. Hmm. So I am competitive with myself, but... I rarely sit around thinking about like competing with others. Oh, they're doing that. I mean, it happens to me, sure. but I find that I get nowhere when I think about that. So focusing on self mastery is 
worked the best for me. So if you were in a tennis match with uh, somebody else, that would make sense. Because I would it's, lose, it's one, but I would say... It's a one person against somebody else. Like yeah. Tennis is that singular sport, right? Where it's you against yourself most of the time. And a lot of only children end up playing tennis, I've learned. Um, so you, you build these difficult skills to break over time because you are constantly comparing yourself to the last shot you made. Sure. So that's cool that you're, you've sure. adapted or figured out a way to like, be like, whoa, 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 self. Um, yeah, I guess if you put it that way. But I don't want people to think that I'm good at tennis. Like, this is something <laughs> this that was like a about passing tennis. thing that I yeah, did. Yeah, tennis is the metaphor. It's <laughs> not about tennis. Okay. It was, uh, okay. sports was a, a way to stay in shape and, you know, have fun, be outside with friends. Yeah. But academics was the serious thing for me. Um, but the seriousness of academics in my family was just kind of like the norm. So that's the yeah. way I looked at it. Interesting. And when I graduated from high school, um, first school that I went to was UC San Diego. Okay. And at the time, I was majoring in biology. I thought I might want to go into, like, bioengineering research. Mm -hmm. And that school is really big into bioengineering. Um, but I decided that sitting in the lab for the rest of my life, that wasn't really going to be compatible. Um, I entertained other stuff. You know, I thought about law. I thought about medicine. But dentistry just seemed like a nice um, middle ground among a lot of things that I liked. Mm. So kind of chill atmosphere that yeah. you can recreate in the dental office compared to say the emergency room. Right. Um, but you're still doing something that hopefully, you know, helps people, makes them smile. Mm -hmm. uh, so I liked the, the idea of being able to help people directly. Yeah. And then just kind of the tactile nature and the technology fusion of it. That was cool. Mm -hmm. um, did you, did you do well in dental school on the it's probably obvious that you did well on the theoretical side because you sounds like you were a very smart guy or are a very smart guy. How were you with your hands at the beginning of, of school? Did you, <laughs> so I'm a teacher, I teach, yeah. and I teach in like lab one, which is like Dexter. You're, you're teaching students how to pick up and fulcrum an instrument for the first time. And there's two types of students that I've, and I hate to classify or generalize, but generally, yes, there are two types of students. But the ones that just get it, they're like hands and their brains work and it's like, they see a tooth, they understand indirect vision, and they can just do it. And then there's the ones that were like me that couldn't understand my right from my left or a maxillary molar from a lower molar. How were you in, in school early on? Um, I was near the top with the academic side, and I was middle of the pack with the hand skills. Okay. Definitely not the worst, yeah. um, but it didn't come easy to me like the academic stuff. So yeah. I really had to spend a lot of time burning teeth in the lab uh, and, and trying to figure that out. Yeah. Um, but I loved the, the procedural nature of it. The fact that there was like, this is the, w this the is steps. the right way to do it. Yeah. Um, obviously that's a major challenge in dentistry cause it never ends up perfectly. Mm -hmm. But, um, I did like that there was a formula for success, uh, when it came to the clinical stuff. Did you ever want to teach? A lot of people in my family are teachers. Yeah. And for me, I've tried to teach, but in my own way, Okay. just, you know, throughout my career, um, because I, I do, f I think it's really fun. Um, yeah. I like getting behind concepts and really understanding them deeply. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't see myself like Put in front of a lecture hall, I guess. Yeah. So it's a it's a tough gig. I mean, being a speaker is a tough gig. Being a dentist is uh, trying to put all of those things together is tough too. Um, what year did you graduate? Graduated from UCLA School of Dentistry in 2012. Okay, and then did you did you go right into private practice, or did you do residency? Yeah. So at the time, I had this great idea, which was I was going to move to Nashville, Tennessee. Cool. And for Join those of band, you, <coughs> for be those a of you. Yeah, exactly. Finally <laughs> break out into country music like I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, no, really, was that a, thi was that a thing? Uh, or no? What made that? Well, growing up in California, I hated country music. Okay. And by the end of dental school, I ended up falling in love with, you know, country music because I would sit there in the lab and I'd listen to all kinds of music, finally got into that. Um, but that was not really the reason. Um, I saw Nashville as a cool growing city yeah. and one that I could start my career busy. Um, so I got a job before I graduated at a DSO 
Okay. And uh, yeah, from day one, was doing more procedures <laughs> per day than I had done, you know, like half of dental school. Wow. In, yeah. you know, LA where I practice now, if you graduate, you're probably not doing much right. at all. Yeah. And I liked the, uh, just being able to be thrown in and trying to get some experience right away. Mm-hmm. Um, they give you responsibility, which it was very hard, but it definitely fast-tracked me. Yeah. What were your favorite procedures off, off the bat? I mean, like, uh, <laughs> you jumped in doing more, like, I don't, I don't know how many procedures your program graduates you with, but in Toronto, yeah. like, the, the U of T, you do, like, three crowns and maybe 200 surfaces if you're lucky. You do a rotation and... Totally. Maybe you never place an implant. I mean, now they probably do, but back in 2012, I graduated a long time ago, very long time ago. I won't even say the the number of things that we didn't do back then. But what did you feel excited about, like as a new grad? Um, as a new Where grad, like, I want to do all of this, more of this. Yeah, I, I was kind of like bread and I, butter stuff. I didn't specialize because I wanted to see where I would go, yeah. um, and. When I first got uh, started practicing, I worked in a dental practice that did a lot of dentures. Okay. And interestingly, UCLA School of Dentistry has more denture requirements for graduation, or at least they did at the time, I think, than any school. Hmm. Um, and so I was well prepared for that. Wow. And, uh, Which is I, what people are least prepared for, yeah. usually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but definitely learned quickly that that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, moved to a different practice. Um, I think I practiced maybe four different practices in my five years living in Nashville. Um, and sort of, yeah, ended up settling on bread and butter dentistry, cool. which is what I do today. I feel like there's much more than what you do today. <laughs> okay. In the, in the dental practice setting, yeah, I love doing... Do you own your own practice? Uh, no, I'm in no. a group practice with five classmates from dental school. No way. Yeah. Was that by design or that just kind of happened? Um, a little bit of both. I moved back to L.A. in 2017. So, okay, back to Nashville for yeah. a minute. So you worked in Nashville for how long? So uh, I was in Nashville from 2012 to 2017. I feel like you're hiding something. You're like, you're not telling me something. <laughs> so you were in Nashville for how long? From 20 when? 2012 okay. to 2017. Okay, and then why did you leave? I started to get a little homesick, okay. and I thought... I knew what my um, avenues were in Nashville um, at the time, and I thought I kind of want to adventure out outside of the clinical space a bit more. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so what I had did an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. What did that look like? In 2016, um, you might remember there was like Associated Press articles about how flossing didn't have the research to back it up. Yes. And so it was. Yeah, that's know. recirculating now with more science showing that water flossing or water irrigation is more effective at removing biofilm but is that well that's exactly what i ran into okay Uh, and quite frankly i don't remember learning about water flossing or oral irrigation in dental school okay so when i saw that research i was like okay wait a minute if this is better why are we not even recommending it i didn't even know it was a thing so i started recommending uh water pick water flossers to patients and then on their recalls noticed hey they're better now Mm mm-hmm these refractory patients who they say they're doing everything right and then their numbers are not, you know, their probing depths are not showing um, that's the case. Now they're finally getting a change with one um, oral care change. Right. So I reached out, I actually sent Waterpick a DM. No way. On Instagram. And Just I said, cold DM. Cold DM. Cool. Took them a month to Pay respond. You, up. you know, <laughs> they left me on red for a month. Did they really? Because uh, most of the time it's yeah. not them running their accounts. It's like a marketing agency or exactly. something else. Yeah. Luckily at the time it was. And okay. so I got connected with them and we started working together. Cool. To spread the I word. Had, I had uh, someone from their team on a podcast once. I think her name was Carol Jan. Yeah, yeah, I work she, with Carol now. She was on. She was on the podcast. I've had, like last yeah, yeah. year at some point, and it was that. It was, you know, talking about science and and what the evidence is showing that, in fact, flossing is kind of archaic and it's in the sense. And um, so she's a cool. She's cool. I like her. What's up, Carol? Yeah, absolutely. She's super yeah. passionate. Yeah. And uh, she does a lot for. So that was your Waterpick. first off, clinical or yeah, clinical adjacent. Clinical adjacent. So that kind of led me into making a lot of videos for them. Okay. Like posted on Instagram, 
There's um, a TV commercial. I have a TV commercial. Saw that. Yep. Saw that in my search. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Done, I've done some live TV stuff for them. Like. You were on the Doctors. Is I was that on right? the Doctors. Yeah. Yeah, I was on the Doctors. Um, that's not so much for. I, I don't. I may have talked about water flossing on the Doctors, but um, doing the Doctors was really cool. Yeah. Um, let me. Uh, did that all happen kind of around at the same time? Like when? How did? How did that all begin? Just from that one DM? How much? How much time do we have? I mean, you're the one with the time frame. I have. I have I'm good. Someone I'm at two thirty. I'm so good on I'm, time. I'm totally good on time. All right, I'll tell you a little story. Back in 2007, uh, 2006, I transferred from UC San Diego to UCLA because uh, for undergrad. Um, when I moved to LA, soon thereafter, I met a really well-known cosmetic dentist uh, named Dr. Bill Dorfman. I know Bill. Yeah. So a lot of people know Bill. He kind of mentored me, and this was a new paradigm shift. My first dentist growing up, he introduced me to the fusion of technology and dentistry, mm -hmm. and meeting Bill was a paradigm shift for me because he showed me that you can have multiple careers. And with Bill, he's a very successful cosmetic dentist. Yeah. Um, I think you could argue that the term cosmetic dentist is basically was pioneered in part by him right. um, because he also did a show called Extreme Makeover, yeah. which uh, was in the early 2000s where people would get yeah. full dental makeovers, yeah. basically, and he was the dentist for that. In addition to that, he started a company called Discus, which makes Zoom whitening, yep. BreathRx products, mm -hmm. and a bunch of other clinical stuff. So I was still deciding what I wanted to do with my life. And meeting him, I was like, whoa, I've met somebody at the this top guy. of the field. This is so cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, so he showed me all of the uh, thing, how flexible your career can be. Around that same time, uh, a new show started, which you alluded to, is called The Doctors. Yeah. So that was uh, Travis Stork, the host of the show, um, ER physician who did ER practice and then would come out to L.A. and do the show to educate the public on topics. And it is still running today, mm -hmm. um, but it had a major heyday for about 10 years mm -hmm. um, during the day. At that time, when that show first came out, I'm like, man, that, that guy's so cool. He's doing the real clinical stuff, the real important work, and he's educating people on um, important topics. So I started to like put some stuff together at, at, at that time. I go into dental school. We talked about that. I moved to Nashville. I start my practice there. I'm kind of becoming a real dentist. You know, you go from dental student to now you've graduated and now you're a real dentist. But right. But you still have there, this there's like a transition. imposter syndrome yeah, thing. That exactly. wasn't really a term back then, but it is now. That's a good way to label what I was feeling and I'm yeah. sure many new grads feel. You know how to do it. It's just going to take a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a humbling moment when you see yeah. that patient back like a year and a half, two years later, and you're like, damn, who did this restoration? The marginal ridge falling off. And you're like, shoot, it was me. Oh, is that my yeah. name on there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Small etching of your initials. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, 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 so what was that like? Um, you know, I'm sure everybody goes through uh, struggles. Mine was definitely a struggle. Um, I have these, you know, perfectionist tendencies. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, I like the procedure. I want it to be done done right. Yeah. And you have to learn how to navigate the patient's needs mm -hmm. with yours. And yours, are in that case, are, you know, 30 seconds of phosphoric acid etch, sure. and et cetera. So navigating that was a challenge. In addition to that, um, something else cool happened to me in 2015 which was I got offered to be on a show called The Bachelorette. Okay. So this is a reality show um, where 25 guys vie for the affection of one uh, lovely young lady. In my case, her name was Caitlin Bristow, also yep. from Canada. Yes. And I, I'm familiar with the story. I will share my story of this story after. Would you like to intervene now? No. Okay. I'll wait. You want me to, okay. Yeah. So um, going on the show, was it wasn't actually an easy decision. Um, Actually, you know what? I will. Okay, go. go. Go for it. I brought you a gift. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I see where this is going. Do you? Think <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it is? I think I see. 
to write you a little gift. <laughs> All right, let's have it. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. Maybe this we is can, cool. Maybe we can have a bite of it together I like later. It. Yeah. You're here on your <laughs> Frank. I know it's a little corny. Now, why is this relevant, you ask? Why, why did Irene <laughs> give him a cupcake? Well, I did it to myself. Do you want me to tell you this, my story? Go of for it. it. Yes, okay. I'd love to hear your so side here's, of it. Here's, we can take the cupcake and just put it over here for now. Um, so my side of the story is 2015. That was the year that you were on The Bachelor, yes. correct? Okay. Yeah. So I'm in a friend group chat with like, no, there's 14 of us. We all grew up together. Most of my friends have kids or married or whatever, and I skipped a couple of grades. I'm two years younger than everybody else. So I was considered jailbait in college because I was two years younger than mo pe most people. So anyways, that season is the only season of The Bachelor I've ever watched, ever. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> I've never watched any Bachelor. I don't watch reality television. I barely watch television. But for some reason, my girlfriends wanted to like start this Bachelorette tradition. And I was the only one with a bachelorette pad. So on whatever night that was, Tuesday or oh, Wednesdays, okay. they would all come over to my place and we would watch the show. And I was like, oh, guys, like, whatever. Like, it's just another TV show. But I, I like to host. Like, I'm, that, that's my, like, personality. My mother was always the, like, party host and dinner host. So I would host. So I would, like, at one point I bought roses and I, like, taped them to the door and the girls would come over and we would watch the show. And you were on the show. Like, not often is there a dental person, or was there a dental person, I now know. So we were watching the show, and the finale, or whatever, your finale ended. Oh, great. Or whatever happened in the, your sequence of events. And I'm sure it's yeah. very different than what we see. Um, so that, that's, that's, I, I was... So you saw the I, Cliff episode. In real life, yeah. So nice. <laughs> yeah. And I was worried. I was like, is the dude better not jump because that's going to be, <laughs> I don't think I can handle it. <laughs> but made, I was, I made, was, I was very yeah. sad for you. We made great TV. <laughs> <laughs> I was one. So then, so I, I hadn't thought about that since Brian. So I don't know, there's some other behind the scenes stuff that maybe I'll share off camera, but um, there's uh, I didn't you know never thought about that whole thing since since then and I had never watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I had another Bachelor guest on the podcast. Her name is Kerpa. She was on a more recent season, but introduced to me yeah. because she follows me on Instagram. So it was like she wanted whatever. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, so that was so I saw the whole thing go no down, way. and I was like, I thought that the cupcake mobile was so sweet, and I was as a dental person yeah. watching it, I was like, oh, that's adorable. So that's where yeah. the So this is my story. All I learned from that story is after watching that episode of me, you decided never to watch the show again. Well, I and it's not it's not it wasn't a show <laughs> thing. It was just I was busy, like I was busy in in building my career, so taking time for television just wasn't a priority for me regardless of <laughs> and to be honest with you the only reason why I continued to have girls over and watch the shows because I wanted to know your story I was like this dental person I have a yeah. connection with this person on the television yeah in another way and then this introduction through Brian was kind of strange but all like deja yeah. vu all at the same time well with your podcast and everything the way you spend your time is definitely the way I would recommend you doing it yeah. ed educating people and yeah. talking about the profession and so, so yes. now, now tell me your time you? frame back from 2015. So what, what made you want to go on the show? How did so that, how does one say, I'm going to pause my, you know, growing dental career yeah. and go on a reality TV show? Um, they had actually asked me the year before. They asked you. Okay. I was getting some headshots done um, because we were sending out mailers to try to get new patients so okay. i was just getting a headshot it's like you know me in a suit whatever smiling yeah and the photographer posted one of those headshots to their facebook okay. page and a recruiter um that works on the show lived in nashville was friends with that photographer and was like oh connect me with this guy so we started you know discussing the application process. I think I filled out the first application and then I decided that I wasn't going to do it. I'm not going to take time. I'm just a year and a half out of school at that yeah. time, roughly, and maybe two years. And I said, I, I'm not going to derail my progress yeah. by doing this. And <clears throat> one year goes by, they asked me again. Okay. This time I'm like, all right, well, 
Let's try this again. I just talked about it with my sister. She was the type of person like you're describing who would have these bachelorette viewing parties. No way. She's like, you have to go on. You can be part <laughs> of Bachelor Nation. It'll be awesome. So, and my sister and I have this dynamic where, you know, she'll tell me when I'm being an idiot. Okay. We so all need that person getting, in our life. Getting her preemptive blessing was actually a surprise because I thought she'd be like, no, why? you're going to embarrass yourself. No way. You know, in retrospect, maybe she should have spoken up. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> So we, uh, I actually, at the, the final boss was going to be talking about how we were going to manage me stepping away from the dental practice. Right. Because how long is that commitment for? It can be up to 10 weeks. Okay. So, so that's a long time. Yeah. Very long time. Yeah. At the time, I worked for a, a different DSO, um, which I still have, you know, very fond memories of. It was it was a great part of my um, practice uh, growth and practice. And I have a meeting with my uh, person who helped helped me um, kind of manage the practice. I said, "All right, so I have this opportunity. I'm sure the answer is going to be no because I don't see how it's going to work." Yeah. And she just stopped. She's like. Oh, you have to do it. No She's way. like, I already know what we're going to do. Send so, an email out to all patients. So, <laughs> well, it turned out, crazily enough, one of my classmates was practicing nearby from UCLA, was practicing in Nashville nearby, and she mm-hmm. worked for the company. Hmm. And so she actually helped watch over the practice while I was gone. Cool. Um, and that's kind of the piece of it that, it's like, how could that possibly line up to work? It, yeah. it just seemed unbelievable. So I decided to do it. Okay. And, uh, but did you yeah. go into it? Did you believe that you were going into it to find love? Like, is that a, is that a, and maybe that's just a me thing, right? So I'm always, I, I asked Kerpa the same question when, when she went on The Bachelor. And she's like, no, I just went on the show to go on the show. And if anything happened, it happened. Yeah. Was that the same for you, or were you like, did you know who the Bachelorette was going to be at the time? Uh, I knew one of two okay. that it would be. So it's a great question, and we have to reverse back to early 2015. Yeah. This is pre-influencer. Yeah. So it was a different time. Sure. Now, I hadn't really watched the show before. Um, it was only after I kind of was saying yes that I went and watched some seasons to know what exactly am I signing up for. <laughs> um so the, uh, the chance that you're going to find love or whatever, you know it's unlikely. Yeah. Um, but did I think it was absolutely out of the question? No. no. And yeah. I thought, well, this will be fun, hopefully. Um, and I knew uh, two of the possible bachelorettes who they would be. And it ended up that actually my season had two to start with, and then we voted for them. Mm. Um, but oh, they yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but they both seemed, you know, great so i was like yeah let's try it um i think today i wouldn't blame anybody who in the back of their mind is thinking oh i'm gonna make a business out of this <laughs> going on the show become right. an influencer sure now i've got you know but that wasn't an option yeah. i like to say that my group of guys was the founding fathers of bachelor nation influencers because <laughs> it really started after us um, can we get a title like a little plaque yeah, like yes. founding father of bachelor nation yes yeah so i take that with pride what did you uh, what did you take from that experience? I mean, you were how old were you when you were young? Uh, twenty eight. Yeah, you were young. So, what yeah. did you take from that experience? Um, there were two aspects of it. Number one was the experience itself, and the number two was the airing of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, completely separate, totally different. Um, mm-hmm. You're there. I was there for six weeks filming, and but then you've got to go home, right? Like you go home mm-hmm. and. Everything unfolds, but you're in your real life and you know what's happened. Yeah. But you have to pretend like nothing happened. Is that real? Is that how that works? Yeah. You're supposed to keep everything confidential. And there is a delay between when you're done filming and when the show starts airing. Right. Also, each contestant is very sequestered in not only from the outside world, but what's happening with the other contestants. So a lot of the time when the show airs, that's the first time you're seeing all this stuff happen. Oh, so who said what to yeah. whom and who's, oh, what who's drama, doing what. What storylines. Right. Hmm. That was all a surprise. Um, so <clears throat> I had my experience. It was amazing. You know, I made friends with both production and the guys that were on the show, as well as Caitlin, the Bachelorette. We had a great time. 
um, we laughed, we cried. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I went home. And then I went back to work. And then it started airing. Yeah. And then suddenly people started recognizing me in public. Hmm. And Nashville is a town, you know, L.A., people don't really watch the show, I feel like. A okay. low percentage of the population. Sure. Nashville is the bachelorette party capital of the United sure. States. So a lot of people watch it there. So it was this really odd experience where anytime, every day I would get recognized and oh I no. would hear this name. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, no, I it's all it good. Bad? No, no. It, get the cupcake out of here. My experience <laughs> from, you know, from the beginning to the end has been nothing but positive. Yeah. And I think it's amazing. I, sometimes I'm still like, was that a real thing that happened? Yeah. Um, the uh, the airing of the show was a little nerve wracking for me. Thankfully, did I did you watch it. Like, did you? Oh yeah, we had viewing parties too at your house. Yeah, we had. Did you like pause and be like, "No, that never happened." Yeah. Yeah, yelling at the screen. That must have been really tough. Super emotional. Yeah. Each week was like, "What are they going to show?" Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, um, did you? Were you able to talk about anything at that time? I did when I did a, an interview with somebody else that was on a kind of different life thing uh, i had like a warner brothers producer on our call like you can't mm. say that like cut that out they wanted like full access to footage after which i don't know if you need this but um was is that was that something that you had to be careful of like what you said or you, i mean you did kind of have to be yeah. careful um it's been a decade now so we're good yeah <laughs> and and for uh, podcasting wasn't nearly wasn't what it is thing. but let's say that you know it was like the first episode had aired and I'm like oh I know what happens here's what happens yeah, yeah I would have no, gotten no. in trouble yeah, yeah. but I didn't have to be that um, tight-lipped about it um, so again I had I wasn't like picked or whatever so I didn't have like these yeah. secrets that I needed to withhold so for me it was I almost got to watch it as a viewer yeah. as well as a participant hmm. uh, but uh, yeah it was uh, it was an unbelievable time I still have friends from yeah. from that experience and my season, everybody did really well. You know, a lot of them got married from people that they met on the show. No way. They have, some of them have podcasts. A lot of them are doing cool things. That's so cool. We were lucky. So you were overall a positive experience, you'd say? Yes. Maybe not so much in the moment or immediately after, but in hindsight, for good things. They were, very, I mean, ev well, in my cliff scene, what they don't show is me laughing also mm. so even in these dark moments it was like there were it was like you could tell that it was it very was very edited yeah some things were shown in, in in different order than what they happened um but it's all good like it was awesome uh to experience i'm sitting I like there call it your cliff scene my my cliff scene the the cliff scene was extra great i always like to point this out because it's being filmed right so caitlin and i fly in on a helicopter it's like 70 degrees in March in, uh, in Ireland, which was unheard of. It was clear skies, no rain. We're overlooking the ocean on a cliff next to some really cool castle. And then, you know, Caitlin says, basically she's dumping me and goodbye. And then she, <laughs> she takes off in the helicopter and I'm still on the cliff. <clears throat> and they need to film me like, you know, looking longingly at the ocean. And she flies away, and there's a second helicopter filming her helicopter to okay. make, you know, it yeah, dramatic. Yeah, to make it look, right. So she flies away, and then the second helicopter flies away, and now I have a three-and-a-half-hour drive in a van. No way. They <laughs> didn't even send the helicopter back for <laughs> like you? You guys had two helicopters. Let Just, me like, drop yeah. a ladder, bro. I'll climb. Exactly. No. Really? But it's all, it's all good. It's all part of the story. It's all uh, fun. Interestingly, she uh, moved to Nashville, and after the show aired, you know, she and I became friends, and yeah. it's it's all good. She's so all I of that stuff. I can't remember was the guy's name that she ended up with. I can envision him, but I can't remember his name. Are they still together? Uh, well, during the show, she got engaged engaged to Sean. Right. Yeah. And Sean. now now she's engaged to Jason. Uh, Jason he was also a Bachelor Nation guy from a different. Oh, different season. Interesting. But it's all good. Check that out. So okay. let, me, right, well, let me finish out my story and connect yeah. it with something that I mentioned earlier. So cool stuff cool stuff happened from going on the show. Well, of course, and as it should. I, I was lucky because um, I got to spin my time on the show into 
dental-related stuff. Okay. So a producer who was on The Bachelorette also used to work on The Doctors. Remember, this is the show that when I saw back in 2007, I was inspired, like, oh, maybe I can do something like that yeah. one day. So I asked this producer, hey, can you, can you connect me, me with yeah. them? And they did. And I got to go maybe to 10 appearances and I got to be on the show sitting next to Travis Stork, yeah. who is now my buddy. That's cool. And uh, he lived in Nashville, too. Um, so discussing dental topics on a platform like that was amazing for me. And it also tied into what I do with Waterpick. And amazing for the general public. Like, so in Toronto, in Canada, we have a, you know, similar TV shows. I've done a few appearances talking about oral health, too. And... and the hosts themselves don't know half of the things that we share with them. I did a clip uh, a couple of weeks ago on breakfast television. It's like our morning show in Toronto. And the host was like, yeah, my kids just like glob on the toothpaste on their toothbrushes. I'm like, yeah, they actually should be consuming a smaller amount. She had no idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah. some of the hosts don't know what we know. So, and can you imagine what the general public knows? Even, even less. So that's a huge improvement for overall patient oral care at home if they're able to watch it on television. Yeah. Kind of like you're saying, uh, you probably resonate with this, but one of my big passions is just there are these little nuggets of information that can just change everything for somebody. Yeah. You know, in the prevention space. and Just little tweaks to your daily routine. And it can save, in many cases, a lifetime of suffering. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. So getting to hopefully help move the needle in the right direction uh, at some scale has been really, really cool for me. Yeah. So what's next? Are you planning or are you plotting? What's (laughs) what's next? Um, I still work with Waterpick. Yeah. Um, I still love them. Um, I really believe in what the products do um, at the end of the day. That's what I use. Um, I see the difference it makes for my patients. I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't truly believe in it. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, I've recently started working with this salivary testing company called Bristle, Bristle Health. Have you heard of them? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think we follow each other on social media. Awesome. Yeah. So this was another DM. Uh, You sent out? I sent out. Cool. I discovered them about a year and a half ago. Um, I looked at their website. At first, you know, I'm like... What's their product? It's a salivary buffering and pH test. Is that correct? Or is it a bacterial test? Bacterial, bacterial test. Bacterial test. Okay. Or, right. Oral microbiome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's cool about this one is that it maps the entire oral microbiome. Yeah. So all of the microbes in the mouth. So that we get the entire picture of both the pathogens and then maybe the, the middle ones and then the commensals or the good beneficial bacteria. Sure. And being able to do that at scale and really turn the knobs knowing how to push something in the right direction toward health without going overboard, um, you know, over-prescribing mouthwash or medication, Mm -hmm. but tuning things just right. We've not had the opportunity to understand um, at that fine of a scale until now, until the technology has gotten to where it is Mm. at the the lower cost that it is now. So being able to bacterial test, it's... So what does that look like? So is it a, is it, I use a bacterial test in my practice called Orovital, and I don't know if Bristol is available in Canada yet. So if they are, maybe I'll look into them. So for us, there's like two types of tests. You can do like a spit test, which just basically takes the DNA from saliva and whatever genetic markers are in there. And it tests pathogens found in that small sample. Yeah. The one that I like the most uses paper points. So I like individually take a paper point to either a pocket or an abscess or whatever yeah and then document which paper points going into which little vial send it off and they send me like this cool report they have a microbiologist that they work with that gives you an example of you know how many tens of thousands per paper point Uh and then the concentration yeah Uh and then i work with a a compounding pharmacy that helps create a um like a regimen an oral regimen with metronidazole, tetracycline, what, whatever, like a, a compound rinse with multiple Tailored components. cocktail for the patient, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's creams, like a nystatin cream that they use interproximally. And then we do those tests multiple times. Is that the same principle with bristle? How does it, how does it work? Yeah. Um, Tell me more. So, yeah, you get a cool report. Um, they originally designed it to be more public-facing. Um, so it's a really easy 
interface to look at and to understand, mm -hmm. but they also go deep for the provider. Um, but it's just a spit test. Um, a spit test? Yeah, you just spit into a little vial. They capture your saliva. It has an agent in there that yeah. stops the bacterial growth. Yeah. Send it to, the, to their lab. They analyze it. And they've derived these health scores. So okay. they work with the University of the Pacific Dental School to take um, a bunch of patients, hundreds of patients' salivary samples, get their whole list of bacteria and in what quantities, and pair it with the clinical diagnoses, the pocket depths, the, like the radiographs. Yeah, the, I mean, really doing the, the full spread of integrating that clinical information alongside the oral microbiome information. So, so then what do you do with it? What so, do you do with that info? So let's say you look at the periodontal score. Sure. Um, they classify it as like, say, below a three score means this is a healthy mouth. Between three to six, for example, means that, hey, there's a lot of pathogens floating around that maybe they're opportunistic. Mm -hmm. And if you're not careful, they could end up leading to a high risk of periodontal disease. Mm -hmm. And then there's like six and above up to nine. And this is like every number is a logarithmic scale of worse and worse. The odds that you have periodontal disease go up and the seriousness of the pathogens and what concentrations they're in mm. are really concerning. Right. And they do this for halitosis. They do this for caries. They um, do it for nitrate reducing bacteria and mm. commensals. Mm -hmm. um, they also can tell you if, you know, you have candida. Yeah. And yeast. what's, yeah. 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 What's interesting is that they're finding, you know, a lot of these pathogens that we see as the, uh, the enemy are extremely common. And so it's knowing that, you know, they're there and the idea that you need to completely eradicate them in every case is maybe overkill. What you're looking for is balance. Right. And again, this is the earlier stages of what I think will end up leading to curing some of these diseases, yeah. you know, maybe decades from now. But I think, I think we're seeing that. I don't think it's that far away. Yeah. I mean, if you're using a variety of chemotherapeutics or therapeutics in, in a sequential format, I mean, we're all protocol driven in many instances. In my practice, I, I have a startup, so my practice opened oh, cool. during COVID. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of time to like put together what my perio protocol or program would look like. So like, we use laser for every hygiene visit, whether we're using it intrasulcularly or whether we're waving around like a curing light around the gingiva to kind of eradicate some of those bacteria early before we start scaling, kind of reduce the population and count. Like that's part of the protocol. So yeah. you're, by you saying 10 years from now, I think we, it could be sooner than that. It's just we've got all the tools. We're just not using them all at the same time. That's beautifully said. And like yeah. the use of probiotics. So when we do SRP or if we have a patient that's bleeding, we introduce probiotics, oral probiotics. There's a company that I really like that makes a good one. They have a really great strain of bacteria that's been studied significantly. And it shows that it's called reuterize the like... The, the bacterium itself, yeah. um, in conjunction with laser therapy and with SRP, it significantly reduces the bacterial load. But without getting that information out and in everyday dental hygiene practice, yeah, we're not we're not we're not getting any further. And that's the problem with teaching. So, as a teacher, I have a really hard time changing curriculum. Everything has to be reviewed by the internal curriculum before the board, mm -hmm. and then it has to be proposed to CDAC, which is our accreditation bureau. It needs to be sourced and referenced and researched. So it takes like three to five years sometimes to get one small change. I wanted to change an evaluation, just how something was being evaluated, a project that I was getting my students to do. And it took three years for that to actually happen. So, you know, there's something yeah. new that's coming out. When am I going to see DNA testing in a in a dental hygiene curriculum, probably yeah. never, <laughs> because there are just so many moving parts to make change. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know. It's it's like it's here. It's it's imminent. It's upon us. But it's it's yeah. so difficult as new graduates are coming out, and then there's you know the advocates like us, and then eventually you hit a roadblock. And what do you do? Do you continue advocating, or do you say, oh, forget it. I'm just gonna, you know, yeah, go on the bachelorette again. <laughs> <laughs> Bachelor in paradise. 
Um, oh, gosh. You, you and I That's the one where they're on the island, right? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I, you get a sick tan or a sunburn or melanoma or all of the above in, in that sequence. I did avoid that one. Did you go on that no. one? Oh. Did they ask you? Yeah. Oh. I got the no from uh, friends and family. So. Oh. That's the it wild for the one, best. right? Is that the one? Like, it can the, be. It depends. Can, okay. All right. Let's not go. Let's talk. You're, you're way more interesting in other things that you do than the, the than that. So let's. Oh, thank I, you. Well, I want to talk about this bacteria stuff a little bit more. Well, that's um, exciting. It, no, well, yeah. But going back to what you just said, I mean, I think it's great. I I really resonate with the things that you're saying. Um, you're right. We have all these tools. Yeah. Well, why, don't we, why don't we just use them? Yeah. Some of it is how and when. And we're being able to find out more precisely. Yeah. Some of it is um, change is hard. Yeah. And in some cases, with good reason. You don't want to rush into a new therapy that you think, oh, this is going to cure everything, and then it doesn't, or, or sure. whatever. Um, being able to get the feedback is yeah. what's so important. That's why I like doing the salivary testing, is because we can be all confident something's going to work, but then we got to test, and we got to look at the results. And sure. then, oh, did it work? Oh, it yeah. did, or it didn't. Um, but yeah, we... We should talk more about that because yeah. uh, you should at least get one for yourself, a test yeah. uh, for yourself That'd be cool. um, just to evaluate it. Because I think we're all working toward that same kind of vision the of, of the near future of like health, eradicating these preventable diseases. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, some of the feedback that I hear from other clinicians is that, you know, they're not the decision maker in their practice. They can't buy all of the things that they would want sure, of or course. they go to a CE course and their boss is not there and they, you know, get excited about something and then it's an immediate no. So I, I kind of get that because I used to work for somebody else for many years and that was the reason why after like 15 years of practice, I was like, I'm going to start my own practice. I kept getting no a lot, like asking to order things and it just wasn't the budget in the budget or on the plan. Um, and that happens quite frequently. Like you see, you walk around this trade show and you see all of the cool sparkly toys and gadgets and it would be exciting to have all of them on my counter, but mm -hmm. you know, who's paying for it? <laughs> and, and most dental professionals aren't able to speak up for themselves and say, hey, if, if I buy this, then th this is what the return will be. And unfortunately, patient health doesn't always come with a a tangible ROI at the end of it, right? It's like, well, my patients will be healthier. Great. Is that going to make me more money is what the employer yeah. often asks. So Yeah, you're I, building goodwill. Yeah. And that's hard to quantify. Right. Yeah. But I, I think most people, at least at some point in their career, really had that pureness of heart. Um, but the harshness of reality, uh, it, it can set in and make us when, jaded. But it's when healthcare is monetized. Right? Yeah. That's the but you started your own practice and now um, maybe you have more autonomy in that regard right I have 100% autonomy that's awesome other than when my accountant is like okay <laughs> so you c I have a cap so I can only spend x amount of collections or production per month as part of our ordering system so sure I even have to put a cap on the things that I order but you know I just bought my second airflow for the office oh which nice is like, you know $35,000 piece of equipment and I want a microscope and I want all of these things so you know slowly baby steps but I think uh, the period program is really important. I mean, that's a that's where you get a lot of your restorative procedures out of, yeah. and um, b it's where patients are coming into the office more frequently. So most of our humans are on a three month recall, um, yeah. and we do a lot of four to six week reevaluations, and we have a lot yeah. of you know cool things that we do. Arrest in like minocycline intercellularly for for deep pockets localized pockets. I don't know. We could talk about perio another it, day. It's, it's that oral systemic yeah. connection. And it's the bacteria that's, that's so connecting them all, right? So it if is. someone has high blood pressure and high and um, like cholesterol ratio issues or, or diabetes, like it's all, it's the atherosclerotic plaque that's found in the mouth. It's in the arteries and also in the brains of Alzheimer's patients. Yeah. So it's important to test. If you can't, if you can't see it, if you can't quantify it, then how do you expect to fix it? Um, so cool this was fun completely agree should it we? was fun yeah maybe I, we can do it again i think we should i think yeah. we should do a whole section just on perio and yeah let's do it how to build like an awesome perio protocol in order to be able to do all of these things and i mean i'm happy to share my fees and how how we bill for it in the office because that's often a question i get asked is cool so you've got all these things like what does that look like i think when you're really focused when you allow insurance to dictate what the treatment will be you, you become less comfortable with recommending what you should be recommending. So, you know, we don't let insurance kind of drive us, but we can have a whole different conversation on that. So 
Thanks for being here. Absolutely. I have. Um, I end the show with a couple of like tough questions. Okay. Are you Are you open for well, those? It's yeah. called the Tooth or Dare podcast for a reason. Exactly. I, I would make you do a dare, but that might be embarrassing. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna get you to pick a card. Okay. We're gonna play a card game. You ready? Let's, you have to pick a card, it. and then you got to answer what's on the card. All right. These are tough it. questions that I would normally ask someone, but I'm kind of shy, so I will. I'll just so you delegate. What does the card say? <laughs> if you could own any one piece of art, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Art. Wow. <gasps> I know exactly what I would say. Can you go first? Yeah, I can show you. Show me. <sighs> oh. Well, this will probably be annoying to some people, but I personally see cars as art. Okay. And there's a I car. I was thinking you might say there's that. A, there's a car um, from the movie Gone in 60 Seconds. Which it's one? A Ford Mustang call, that they call Eleanor. Oh, the GT? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I would say that would be a nice piece of art to have, like, in my garage or living room. They kind of look like these. Oh, that's really cool. They're super cool. But there's one that's like <laughs> I love that. there's one that's like dripping out of like an orange hoop. Yeah. And it has a glass mount behind it, like a glass backboard. And it's dripping through the And it's dripping hoop. over top of the hoop. Okay. And through. So it's kinda like yeah. That's so cool. That's what I would get. That's way more creative than mine. Disco ball art. I don't know. I'll find it. <laughs> it was fourteen thousand euros. It was a lot. I'm like, I don't know if I can buy that. Is that going to be part of the, the accounting for the month? But <laughs> um, So you would buy, what was his name? Um, the guy that drove the car? Vin, Vin Diesel's character? Uh, no, no, it's Nicolas Cage. Oh, it's Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Okay, okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Not not Fast and Furious. Gone in 60 seconds. Gone okay. in 60 seconds. Just do the car, though, not the you, movie. Not the movie. Do you, do you have a, like affinity for unique cars i do i mean I'm, I'm not an expert but um growing up i would beg my dad to go test drive cars and so like we might go drive around in a minivan and i thought that was the coolest thing ever That's so cool. um i still try to be around cars as much as i can i'm part of a little car club my car is like it's it's fine it's nothing special but just being around others with yeah. cool cars i don't know something still excites me i want a green <laughs> 1973 Porsche Twin Turbo. There you go. Like four screen. That would be sick. One day. Those are trending these days. So. I know. Well, one day. Good eye. Okay. Thank you. You're this welcome. Fun. Thank you. All right. Let's do it again. Everyone, you'll you know see some links and stuff below. You can click on those. And um, we're just gonna have some cupcake. We're gonna split this cupcake now. Do you now. eat cupcakes? Yeah. Do you actually? Of eat cup I can't remember the last time I had a cupcake. <laughs> like, to be honest with you. I mean, they are the best dessert. Are they? Of course. Why would I pick? I didn't ask you why you chose I a didn't cupcake. Then drive up car. in a key lime pie, did I? <laughs> why did you choose a cupcake? <laughs> we'll save that that's, for part two. That's my two. little secret, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Are you tired of feeling like a contortionist after a long day working in clinical practice? This message is brought to you by our sponsors at Designs for Vision, who are offering you a 45-day free trial of any of their loops, but I strongly encourage you to try their ergonomic loops called Infinity View. Say goodbye to your chin down, neck cranked, poor posture, dental procedure and practice, because as soon as you put on these bad boys, your neck will be up and back, your shoulders will be lifted, your back will be straight, and not because it's forcing you, because it feels so damn good. So I encourage you to test out these Infinity View loops. Not only will the Infinity View loops save your back and your neck from misery, but they'll also be your partner in crime for a long and joy-filled career. You'll be out there saving smiles, changing lives, and feeling like a superhero with impeccable posture. It's a game changer for many dental professionals who now can no longer go back to the way that they once wore loops. And guess what? Designs for Vision is feeling extra generous and they're offering you this mind-blowing 45-day trial so that you can feel like a superhero and have good posture all at the same time. All you have to do is go to their website, submit a form in order to get your rep to reach out to you, get measured, and get your loops. And then you get 45 days to figure out if you like them or if there's anything that you want to change. Or you can just send them back, but I don't think you will. 
So buckle up, get ready to rock the infinity view loops and say hello to a life filled with joy, comfort, and amazing posture. Thank you Designs for Vision for creating these beautiful loops. I can't go back to my old ones ever, which is why I now have three pairs of them. But I'm okay with that. And also thank you for sponsoring this podcast. Until next time.